Hey, Pastor Stephen here. Welcome to the Abundant Springs podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check us out online at AbundantSprings.Church. And now, on to this week's message. Fifteen months ago, I thought my life was over. I thought my marriage was over. I would lose my family. You know, I was sitting in the living room with my wife and just falling apart. I really don't know why she was even there still with me. We were on our knees, knelt down. She said, you think you're saved? Right. I don't know. I thought I was. I grew up in church. Knew about the Bible, knew about Jesus. But I didn't feel saved. Felt separated and ashamed and full of guilt and full of fear. Tormented. lifetime struggling with temptation. I have struggled with alcohol. I have struggled with sex, um, pornography at a very young age. You know, struggling with that even as a newly married guy, you know, those temptations and those thoughts and seven years in our marriage, you know, I struggled with infidelity and it almost ended our marriage then. And I got sober and thought that would fix everything. I mean, all the other stuff would stop as well, you know. And just eventually going down the path I was and the more success I got with my career, the more I thought I could have what I wanted and do what I wanted to do. I created this dual life. Lust, no matter who they were or where I was, you know. I could be in church. I entered into a relationship outside of my marriage with someone, a bad person. You know, I kept my wife in the dark about everything. I was there, but I wasn't there. I was present, but not present. That in itself led to me starting to branch out and want to start up other things with other women, sexting and all all that started up with random people that I didn't even know. I was convinced I'm going to leave my wife. I'm gonna leave my kids, but now I'm in so deep, I don't know what to do, I'm sunk. This is like sociopath stuff, you know? This is like crazy, oh, I can't even. You know, we've all got things in our past, maybe even our present, that we're ashamed of. 
dark areas that we might hide, that we avoid talking about, that cause panic, that cause worry, that cause pain. And maybe, maybe it is that, that you're watching this video and, and you're thinking to yourself, I, I don't have anything like that in my life. And, and, and praise God if you don't. But you know, our shame, our darkness, it, it can be founded out of other things too. I mean, maybe it's just a lie that you told once or something that you stole as a kid. Or maybe it's, some gossip that you started and you saw the effect it had on someone, you're ashamed of that. Maybe you're not following Jesus in the way that you'd like. You don't have the relationship with him that you hoped for. Or maybe you struggle with addiction, with drugs or alcohol, pornography, sexual addiction, lustful thoughts. Or maybe it's something else entirely, something. But the fact is that we all carry shame. We all carry a weight in us. Jesus' family tree is full of people who could have been held down by their shame, who could have just spun their wheels, who could have been written off by God, written off by society, written off by themselves because of the mistakes that they had made. And yet the amazing thing is, is that God chose to send Jesus through these people. And he doesn't hide the fact that he did, but in fact, in in Matthew, in the Bible, Matthew puts it front and center in his eyewitness account of Jesus' life. He says, look at where Jesus came from. In the last couple weeks, we've talked about a prophet who struggled with taking God's promises into his own hands. He didn't quite have the trust early on in his life to say, yeah, you know what? God is going to follow through. Last week, we talked about a king who had massive family issues stemming from an adulterous relationship and a murder. And despite their issues, as they gave those things to God and sought after him, he used them to accomplish great things, eventually bringing us the baby Jesus who would grow up to be the savior of the world. And today we come to another one, another one named Rahab, Rahab the prostitute. And seriously, Jesus descended from a prostitute in a day and age where prostitutes carried even more shame and social stigma than they do today. God used Rahab to bring the best gift into the world that anyone has ever received. And so today, whatever weight your shame brings you, whether it makes you feel like you're devalued as a person or like you just can't accomplish much in life or like you're afraid that if somebody finds out they're going to judge you or that your life is going to be over, your marriage is going to be over or something else, whatever it may be, it's time to be set free and by faith move towards greater things. After all, that's what Rahab did. Let's open today in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just ask today that as we confront these issues, that we won't block ourselves off, that we won't shut down, but Lord, that we will open our hearts, our lives to you so that you can take that thing that is hurting us, so that you can take those past experiences that have given us this sense of shame, so you can take the sinfulness in our lives and shine light into those dark places, God. 
Lord, will you take these feeble human words that I'm about to speak and make them something worthwhile through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today we're going to be looking at a book of the Bible called Joshua. This book of the Bible is near the beginning. It's found in what we call the Old Testament. It's the first part of the Bible here. It's the Hebrew Scriptures. And so as we come to the book of Joshua, what we're coming to is the nation of Israel, which has spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness, waiting for God to give them the go-ahead to go into their promised land. And the time has come. And so we come to Joshua chapter 2 and we read this. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. And he instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. Jericho was a heavily fortified city with massive walls. And it stood in their way to enter the promised land. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. If you're a spy... A prostitute's place is probably one of the most low-key, undercover places that you can go. And so that's where they go. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went, but if you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax that she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. And then since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. It's so interesting to me that in this day and age especially, Rahab's profession didn't give these spies any reason to say, yeah, no, we can't make that deal. They they didn't treat her as some lesser human being, but they treated her as someone special, important. What's also so interesting is, is here's Rahab in this profession that doesn't really lead you anywhere but into that profession. And yet she recognizes the power of God. And not only that, but she acts in faith on it. She trusted that he is real, that that the Israelites would win by his strength, and that God, if he promised to save her, would save her. 
And we're told in the scripture that her faith in God was counted as righteousness. It, it's so interesting. You would expect someone like Rahab, you know, it, to make an appearance in the Bible, maybe, but then to just be glossed over. You know, that, that, was, that was her. We had the prostitute lady. Now we're on with life. But instead, what we see is, is she comes up again and again throughout the Bible. In fact, the author of Hebrews writes uh, in his listing about people of faith, he says, it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And so there she is, this woman who lived her life in shame, suddenly she is being used as, a, as an example of great faith. Jesus' own brother, James, writes, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. There's no condemnation for the profession, just a simple exclamation that she is shown to be right with God. She's righteous in God's sight. And then Matthew 1, where he writes, this is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, and then we come down the list, and then we see Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. I don't think that Rahab went to bed at night and got up in the morning thinking, man, I'm going to do great things in this life. I don't think that she got up in the morning going, you know what, what I'm doing today, it really matters. I'm, I'm really helping things. I'm making the world a better place. I think that she was just trying to scrape out a living in what her situation had given her. And yet God took her faith, her trust in him, and he lifted her out of her shame and counted her as righteous before him and used her to do great things. And friends, I believe that Jesus wants to take your trust in him and count it as righteousness also. The fact of the matter is, is that we all live in shame. And we all live in brokenness. You just have to look outside, pick up a newspaper, look at the news, you'll see that this is a broken world, a dark world, a world that is full of people that are holding on to hurt and shame and pain and bitterness. But God didn't abandon us in it, even though it's our own sinfulness, the things that we do as humanity that, that walk outside of God's design for us that bring about this brokenness in this world. God didn't leave us to it and say, well, that's enough. They messed up. No, God says that he loved us so much that he sent his son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. That's what he says. He doesn't leave us in our shame. He doesn't leave us in our brokenness. But he says, I love you. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do this for you. And so what we see is, while well, we could never get ourselves out of our shame and our brokenness, but we just enter into this spiral where we feel val unvalued or, or where we try to fill the hole in our heart with all these different things to try to, to self-medicate. 
that God came in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, and was born of the Virgin Mary. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas time, that he's born and he is here. But we celebrate more than that. We celebrate that God lived a perfect life as a human being and that he chose to die a criminal's death on the cross. And as he did that, he took your shame. He took your sin and he carried it on that cross. And he paid the price that each one of us is meant to pay. He said, I got this. I got this for you. All you need to do is trust me. And I take that shame, that burden that you've been carrying and I'm going to give you me, my identity. Says my father in heaven is going to look at you and he's going to say, child. You are my child, my son, my daughter. I love you. You are forgiven. You are saved. That darkness in you, let me shine light in that dark place and let me bring life to death. Jesus is the doorway that brings us into something greater. See, friends, no matter the darkness of your past, Jesus redeems it for a bright future. No matter the darkness of your past, Jesus redeems it for a bright future. It could be the darkest thing imaginable. There could be immeasurable hurt and pain in your life. But Jesus can redeem it for a bright future. Does that mean that it doesn't exist anymore? That you'll never remember the things that happened? No, it doesn't mean that. But what it means is, is that there can be a new life to it. Rahab as the prostitute now becomes an example for us. We didn't forget what she did, but it's redeemed and used for a bright future. And in the same way, no matter the darkness of your past, Jesus redeems it for a bright future. He wipes the slate clean and he offers you the chance to be transformed and to move forward. And there is power in that. There's power in what Jesus does for us. And that's what Dave experienced. Go ahead and roll that video. so quick to go there or you know God can do anything it was several two three weeks before my wife and I ended up on our knees in our living room As painful as it was, as, as heartbreaking as it was, I still knew that I would be committed to my marriage vows. 
I knew I had to forgive him and I was gonna have to walk out that forgiveness. She chose to honor God and honor our marriage by fighting for it rather than walking away. Dave and I were on our knees in our living room. And she started praying for me and then prayed with me. At that moment, I had the opportunity to, uh, to give my life away, finally. That was the night that I asked God to come to me right where I was and to rescue me and get me out of this pit that I was in. thought I had to tell him what a wreck and what a mess I was, and he already knew. And uh, took me as I was. That's all I really wanted, for somebody to just take me the way I was. Even though I was in the throes of all that pain and hurt and brokenness, once we opened our eyes, I knew something had changed in Dave. He saw the beauty of the Christ for the first time. To do somebody completely one way and then turn around and do you completely the opposite, I guess that's what God does with us, you know? I guess that's what grace is. We get what we don't deserve. is Dave Robbins, and I am second. Dave experienced. Dave experienced the power of the gospel. He experienced the truth that no matter the darkness of your past, that Jesus can redeem it for a bright future. And he recognized the power of the gospel, that it's this. Jesus loves and accepts you just as you are. But at the same time, he loves you too much to leave you there. Jesus loves and accepts you just as you are. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Christ came while we were still sinners and died for us. He didn't say, get your life together, then we'll talk. He didn't say, well, if you, if you do these things, if you give enough to charity, then I'll love and accept you, but until then, you better work hard. No, Jesus loves and accepts you just as you are, but then he turns around and he says, I'm not gonna leave you in your shame. I'm not gonna leave you in your patterns of addiction or in your patterns of brokenness or violence or whatever else it may be. He says, give me your hand. And let me carry you forward. Let me change you one step at a time, one day at a time. So that no longer do we have to be defined by our shame or our brokenness. Instead, he's taken it to the cross. 
He takes it from you. He washes you clean. He spurs you on to become more and more the way that he always designed you to be. And listen, I know that every single one of us here needs to hear this from time to time. That 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 thing in your past, that that thing in your life, it doesn't have to define you, but that he will take it from you. He will wash you clean of it. But you know, there's an entire community out there that also needs to know this. That's walking around without hope. That's walking around in pain. That's walking around in their brokenness. And they need people who are willing to go to them and say, listen, Jesus loves and accepts you just the way that you are. Come to him and let him bring you to something new. That's what they need. That's what we need. But the fact of the matter is, is that you need to let go of that shame, of that brokenness, of the bitterness, of, of the sinfulness in your life, and you need to give it to Jesus. Don't let it define you. Instead, let Jesus define you. Don't let your shame define you. Let Jesus define you. And the first step in that is giving your life to Jesus. And before we move on right now in this place, I want to I give the opportunity for anyone here that, that wants to take that step and give your life to Jesus. Maybe you're online watching right now or you're listening later, whatever it may be. If you want to give your life to Jesus in this place, I'm going to invite us all to close our eyes and bow our heads right now. And you've heard what I've said about Jesus. And if you want to accept his gift of life, we call it salvation. If you want forgiveness, if you want to be adopted as a child of God, I'm going to invite everyone around this room to pray this prayer with me. And if you pray this from your heart, giving your life to Jesus, know that you are now a child of God. Let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and that I deserve the consequence of that sin. But I trust in you. Take my shame and my brokenness. Fill me with your spirit. Change me. Use me. Help me to live for you from this time forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, no one looking around still, and if you just prayed that prayer today and gave your life to Jesus, we, we believe that this is something that is done in community, living our life for Jesus, that, that it is so helpful to have people that can gather around us and help us through life. And we want to give you a Bible if you don't have one and, and partner you with someone that can help answer any questions you may have, give you some directions. So if you're here today and you just prayed that prayer for the first time with no one looking around, can you just slip your hand up so that I can see who you are and connect with you after service today? Thank you. I, I see your hand. Thanks. Anyone else this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. You can all open your eyes. and If you're online and you prayed that prayer with us, please just send us a message on Facebook Messenger. We want to get resources into your hand as well. But today, I, I feel like we need to get practical as, as people, whether you just gave your life to the Lord or, or you're somebody that, that has been following him for years. There's things that, that maybe are holding us down. And I believe that all too often we as spiritual people, and by spiritual I mean Christians. I don't mean like airy-fairy spiritual type stuff. I just mean as Christians, spiritual people, we oftentimes try to pass things off as, oh, it just all takes care of itself. But sometimes a physical action 
is a powerful thing we need to break through. And so uh, when you came in today, you probably saw a piece of paper on your seat and you were thinking to yourself, why on earth is there a piece of paper on my seat? And the reason is this, and I'm going to do this with you. In a moment, we're going to sing a song. As we're singing that song as a music team, what I want you to do today, all around this room, because this only works if most of us do it, otherwise it's just going to get really awkward, okay? But, but uh, what I want you to do, I want you to take that piece of paper, I want, to write, I want you to write as much or as little as you want about what it is that you've dealt with in your life, what shame it is that's holding you back, what it is that you need to give to Jesus. And without hurting yourself, I want you to come here and take a nail and take this hammer and we're going to experiment and make sure that this doesn't fall over and we are going to, we're going to take this off because that's going to hurt somebody. <laughs> we're going to nail them to the cross and let Jesus take it. This here is a symbol of saying that shame is no longer mine Jesus paid for it. Jesus has got it. And as you do that, know that the king of your heart is setting you free. And so uh, music team, if you don't mind coming, we're going to sing this song together and just encourage you that, uh, that as we sing, just come before God. Write it down, fold. And as you do, I encourage you to declare something like this, Jesus, I give you my shame, and now please give me your hope.